Well, good morning, Sailorville. Surprise to some of you. And uh, it's, it's always a privilege to, to come back. It's uh, refreshing for me to come back and to, to visit with you all. And you might say, well, do, do you always sit in a chair like that? Well, what's happened here now is as of January, 3rd, thir- uh, January 1st, I only work 30 hours a week, so sort of retired, you know. <laughs> And uh, you might say, wait a minute, Chuck, you, uh, you were sitting in a chair before you left here. <laughs> I know, I was just trying to get ready. I'm just telling you now it's arrived right now. <laughs> if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to open up to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and uh, we're going to look at a passage this morning, and I actually would like you to open there and to stay there, because I'll end up reading the passage, but I'm going to go back to the words, and we're really going to try to understand a few of the verses that are there. But we certainly live in interesting times, don't we? I mean, since the last time I've preached, so many things have changed, and uh, change just seems to be in the air. I mean, quick changes in the moral atmosphere of a a country, that changes so quickly. Um, you look at other things as far as how quickly it seems like a government can con- have control over uh, uh, you know, a certain people or how powerful the media is. And all of those things have become so real to all of us. Sometimes it's really good. Sometimes we're not sure if it's good or not. But I think the series that you're studying is really important to study. I think anybody that knows anything about the Word of God knows, wow, the way those things happen, could we be that close to the second coming? And yes, we could be. And certainly this is an important series that, that you're going through in First and Second Thessalonians. You know, one thing I have noticed, and we're going to talk about prayer, and it's going to be important this morning, and I hope it's a challenge to you, but it is so easy for a people who have such an abundance in material things to live for the temporary and to lose sight of the eternal, isn't it? And we have plenty of things, folks, in our country in fact, as you think, it's, it's, uh, is your prayer power more anchored in temporal things or eternal things? Even more than that, when you think of prayer, and that's what Paul is going to cover here, um, would you say that you pray for yourself or others more often as you look at your prayer life? And um, what are you actually praying for as you pray? Those are some of the things I'd like you to consider as we look at the passage of Scripture that is before us. And, um, but the one thing I want us to see as we begin, as you study any passage of Scripture, the more you can understand the mindset of the author and those who read the letter, the better you are to under, understanding the importance of the text. And we'll look at the text here quickly, but it says, finally, brethren, pray. But remember who Paul is. Remember all the way back his conversion in Acts chapter 9. He was knocked off a horse, 
and he was blinded, and it says, and for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. And then it goes on to say, Paul said to him, rise, he said this to Ananias now. He was going to send Ananias to talk to Paul. And he said, when you go, I want you to go, I want you to rise, go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, which is Paul, and notice what it says about him. For behold, he does what? He's praying. And I want you to think for a little bit as you go through and as you try to understand the text that Paul is about to write to us here. In that three days where Paul was secluded, do you think he had maybe a five to ten minute prayer session with God? Or maybe a little bit longer? The one thing I hate, and I love technology, but I hate about it, we don't produce people that spend long times in prayer. Would you agree? But I'm telling you, the Apostle Paul understood that. And really, you know, when, when God was there, God could have, and I'm, I'm certain one of the things that Paul prayed for, at least if I would have been in his position, was, oh God, will I ever get my sight back? I can't see any bumps in the things, and he's there, and he can't see at all. He would have been praying for his sight. I'm sure he probably prayed for that. But he prayed a long time as he, as he went through that. And you know, God could have given Paul his sight like that. After the first five-minute prayer, he could have given Paul his sight right then, couldn't he have? But he didn't. He let Paul stay there that way for three days. Why? Don't you think that the Lord wanted to teach Paul about prayer, a different way of praying than how he prayed as a Pharisee? Prayer was going to be the key element of Paul's life. Is it any wonder in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul's the one that says, pray without ceasing. He's the one that wrote that. And you know, as, as you look at the text that we're going to look at, it becomes very, very important. And uh, as, as we look at it, I do want to underscore something here, and that is that Prayer and evangelism go together. Now, evangelism is trying to help people understand that they're lost, that without being born again, they'll never see the kingdom of heaven. Do you think most people in Ankeny understand that? Do you think they understand that there is eternal judgment to those who never come to Christ? Do you think they understand that? I'm going to tell you right now they don't. And they need to understand. And we, as a church, as the Engage Network, get out there and try to help people see their righteousness is faulty. And unless they understand the cross and come to Christ and receive His righteousness, they won't make it. Evangelism is important. But evangelism and prayer are connected. Just think of the Bible quickly. Acts chapter 1, the small group of 120 in an upper room praying. And what happens in Acts chapter 2? Boom! The day of Pentecost, 3,000 are saved. Powerful story. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, uh, centurion, 
and he's praying all the time. And what was the response? God said, send for Peter. Send him to Cornelius. And what happens with Cornelius? Boom, he's saved. You get to Acts chapter 13, and there's a small church in Antioch, a powerful church. They're trying to discern God's will. They get together, they pray, and they fast. And out of Antioch come the first, second, and third missionary trips of Paul. Prayer and evangelism are important. They come together. Now, as as we look at that, that's a picture, and I want you to understand, the verse we're going to look at, just one word, Paul says, finally, he writes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, finally, he says. What is Paul doing there? In fact, the same construction is found in Ephesians chapter 6, where he says, finally, brethren, after all of his doctrinal teaching and important teachings on the second coming of Christ, which you all have listened to if you've been here at all, he said, finally, there's something I must share with you. And it's interesting that he puts it at the end of this letter, like he does in Ephesians, because he does not want you to leave this letter without thinking of about what he's about to say. Finally, and then he's going to say, pray. In the book I wrote, I did not necessarily think this through necessarily, but as I thought about all the things I wanted to say, I thought, you know, the most important thing for me to write is not how you evangelize, how you approach people. It's about prayer and fasting. You know, in the Engage Network, we have a number of pastors, and I love them. They all have their special quirks. They, they are all unique, all of them. And they all have weaknesses. But I pray they would be men that have been formed by prayer and fasting. That's what needs to take place. And so when I wrote the last chapter that came to my mind, I've got to get this truth out to people so they understand the key element of all of this. Even in the Engage Network, which if you're not familiar, is Sailorville and its church plants. The key to all of that was prayer and fasting. And you can ask Pastor Pat, that was it. It's not personalities. And we're going to see that as we look at this very, very important verse, and so it is rightly men of prayer. And you know, there's something else that you need to understand, and I'm going to point this out, but here, I'm going to come back to this verse, but let me just show you something. On the second missionary journey, as you look at Paul, he traveled up through Asia, he went to Troas, and he went up to Macedonia, came through a couple of towns, Philippi, where there was a tremendous work in a jail, then he got to Thessalonica. And as he got to Thessalonica, you know from what you've studied, a powerful work of God took place in Thessalonica. Then he left that town, went down to Berea. He got to Athens. When he got to Athens, it wasn't the same welcome. In fact, people ridiculed Paul for his preaching. And by the time he got to Corinth, look at these verses now about the apostle Paul. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid. Do you think Paul was afraid? 
Would, Jesus, would God use those words as he talked to Paul if Paul wasn't afraid at all? He was afraid. What do you mean he was afraid? He just had a great work take place in Thessalonica. What does he have to fear? You talk to any evangelist and you'll find out there's fear all the time. Every time I go out, there's fear. And notice God said, fear not. But go on speaking. Don't be silent. He actually had been run out of Thessalonica. They got him out because he was in danger. He got to Berea. They got him out because he was in danger. He went down to Athens. He got ridiculed. And then he ended up in Corinth. Because in Corinth is where he writes both these letters right here. Both the letters are written from Corinth. But notice when he talks about don't be silent. I have much people or many people in this city. Now notice what he writes when he writes to the Corinthians. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much what? By the time he got to Corinth, he was trembling. I want you to understand the importance of prayer here because anybody that works with people, number one, there's an inner fear that we have. Number two, there's always opposition. Any place that the gospel goes and starts to impact lives, there is opposition. It's always there. And then the last part is, as we work with people, you come to know, boy, I did a great presentation. I hope that person repents. We just had a family receive the Lord. Such a joy to watch that take place. But I know unless God moves nobody gets saved. I don't care what kind of presentation you have. It's God's work. So any evangelist knows prayer becomes really, really important. So Paul's writing to this group at Thessalonica, and he said, finally, brethren. Now, here's several things as, as, as we go to the passage. Whoops, let me just go back. I passed. I, didn't, I guess I never read this out loud with you guys, did I? So let's read it so you at least see it. Sorry. I, I get ahead of myself once in a while. <laughs> now watch this, though. Finally, brothers. Now this is interesting to me as well. Brothers is a reference to the Thessalonians, right? So as you consider how we pray for people, is it normally the more mature believer that prays for the new believer, or is it normally the new believer that prays for the mature believer? How does it work? Normally, the mature prays for the younger, but both ways. It goes both ways, doesn't it? It does go both ways. And here, Paul is saying, finally, brothers, these are the new believers, you have to pray. Finally, brothers, pray. Now, just several other things as, as you think about this. The other thing, if, if you work with people, if you're going to work with people and you want people to pray for you, the best people to ask to pray for you are the people that you impacted. Makes sense, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's just so important as you look at Paul. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of God may speed ahead and be honored. And the word prayer there is the general word for prayer to make intercessions. But let me just again, as we go through, I want you to understand every word as we go through here. 
Finally, brethren, pray. That word pray is a present imperative. Now, that may not mean a lot. Present means it's durative. So it means I want you to continually pray, not just once, continue to pray for me. And imperative means it's a command. Pray. I mean, I don't think it was heavy-handed. Pray for us. But I do think the whole idea was he really wanted this people to pray for him. Brethren, pray for us. That the word of God may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil men. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you. That you are doing and will do the things that we command. There's the command. See? Back to the imperative. And for more things than just the prayer part. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. That's his request. Now, there's a lot to think through as, as we think of prayer and uh, as we think of these people, his fear, and where he's been. And then you say, well, wait a minute. What does Trek bike have to do with this? I'm glad you guys asked that. I always, I mean, don't you like to, this is the time to bike, isn't it? Do you know that the the uh, Trek, that's a company in Wisconsin where I'm from, and uh, my nephew used to work for them, and they make great bikes. And, um, but the word Trek, if you look on their site, comes, they say comes from a Dutch South African word, Trek. And there it is, Trek. And the, <laughs> the noun is Trek. Do you know what the verb is? Trekken. T-R-E-K-K-E-N, trekking. That's sort of a nice word. Where are you going today? I'm trekking, you know. That would work pretty nice. <laughs> now, they, they wouldn't tell you this, and I tried to research, does it go back farther? And they don't say. But I, in my Greek text, as I read, the Greek word for run swiftly is trekle. I am certain somehow, even if they don't teach it, it goes all the way back to the Greek. That's the word. Run swiftly. He said, well, why do you share that? Because we want the word of God to move swiftly, to journey swiftly, and the word is trek. So every time that you see a bike this summer, I want you to think, ah, we want the word of God to trek forward. That's what I want you to think. So it's important, a word picture for you guys. That's what we want. But that's the Greek word right there. And that, that's important. But you know what's interesting is, is actually there's the biblical definition of to, to trek swiftly, and that's found that you already studied it. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became examples to all of the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of God sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. Do you remember that? Is that not a biblical definition of trekking? It traveled everywhere. That's what it says. 
Now, it also says, as you look at it, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of God may run swiftly and be glorified. You know, as, as you look at that, there's, it's to be honored. It's doxo is the word, but notice the Thessalonians, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So Paul is saying, I want you Thessalonians to pray that the word of God would run and that it would be honored. That's what. And it's important that you understand that because in the mind of Paul, it will not happen without prayer. Do you understand that? That's what he's saying here, brethren. Now, why is it so important? It's important because as you get the underline, notice what Paul says. This is interesting to me. If you pay attention to every word in the verse, as it happened among you. So do you think the Thessalonians really understood both those words that Paul was using? Yes, they did understand because they watched it take place in their own city and it spread out. And that word was honored. They knew exactly what Paul was asking them to pray for because of their experience. And that's why those words are so important. As it happened with you, I, I want you to understand. You also understand something about the Apostle Paul. He's saying, oh God, I want Thessalonica to happen again. In another place. That's what he's asking. He knows in his mind what happened at Thessalonica. The Thessalonians know what happened there. And Paul is saying, oh God, please, please, we need this to happen again. And to Paul, without prayer, that's not going to happen. Now, I want you to keep in mind, as you think through this whole story, it's important to understand the dateline, the geography that takes place. Whoops, let me just go back. Now, notice, notice something here. Again, the timeline of this whole story. So, Paul ended up at Thessalonica in the summer of 51 A.D., then he had to get scooted out of town because of the threat. Then he went to Berea. Then he got scooted out of town there because of the threat. He ended up at Athens. He got ridiculed. He ended up at Corinth in the fall of 51. Now notice what takes place. That's where he was with fear. And I'm certain that he even asked the Thessalonians to pray for him as he left Thessalonica. Now watch what takes place. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. A year and six months. And it says in Acts, many Corinthians believed. Do you think the Thessalonians had anything to do with that? And you know what, what's interesting is you follow the whole line as you go through. Again, that's where Paul was when he was fearful. And I believe it's the prayers of the Thessalonians that helped carry him through. The story goes on. 
Because if you follow it, then the timeline, he ends up going back to Antioch, 53. Then he ends up in Ephesus, 54 and 55 AD. And you can read that story in Acts chapter 19. But look at this. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Does, does that remind you of anything that we just read? It's the Thessalonian version that took place in Ephesus. They all heard the word. Do I think the Thessalonians were involved in praying for Corinth and Ephesus? I do. I do. Now let me just challenge Sailorville Church. God has done some wonderful things in this church, and you all have been witnesses to much of it, haven't you? Do you understand how special the Engage Network is? And so as Sailorville starts churches, whether it's Lakeside or Living Waters Fellowship or High Point or Redeemer or New City Church, don't you think Sailorville should be before the throne of God saying, oh God, could you take what took place here and do it in other places? That's what the Thessalonians did. And guess what? It happened. I am so happy to hear that a group of you are getting together Thursday mornings at 6 in the morning, pouring out your heart before God. But I do pray that you would not only continue that, but focus your prayers on allowing the Word of God to trek, to run swiftly, and that it would be honored, that it, people would look at the value of the Word of God because that's not natural. People don't honor the Word of God. But when God's involved, guess what? It does happen. And that's how we need to pray. Stephen, my son-in-law, and I were out just yesterday for a while. And lo and behold, even as you go out with COVID, you say, do people receive you? Oh yeah, they do, some do. And uh, so we're out, and uh, we got a list of names from Jens Hansen. He gave it to us. Hey, Chuck, here's the number of people that live in North Ankeny. Notice I said North Ankeny, not South. Do you know that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how many people moved in the North Ankeny since October of last year? I got a list of over 600 names. Do you know how many Stephen and I covered yesterday? Twelve. Do you know what Stephen and I want you all to pray? Please, that the word of God would speed through North Ankeny and that it would be honored and that it would produce converts. That's what Paul is asking this church to do. And I pray that you would take up the charge as well. Now notice what it says. Finally, he says, brethren, my new believers, pray continually in imperative and 
the present, continually pray for us, the evangelist, that the word of God, the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. What a powerful verse that is. Then he goes on to say that we would be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith. And you know that the waters are going to get rougher from here on out. I can almost guarantee. And you might say, whoa, 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 what are we going to do? You're going to do the basics really well. You're going to pray. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to keep going. That's what we're going to do. We're not going to run away with fear. There's a lot of work to be done. We've got to rally around this. Let's not get taken off task. Pray for eternal things. The gospel is eternal. It changes lives forever. A lot of our toys, they're going to get burnt up. And there is no retirement until we get this done. I'm still going to sit down. (laughs) But notice that we'd be delivered from evil men. Paul knew what that was like. He's getting delivered all the time. And uh, there's a lot of stories that will go with that if you go through. Then he says, verse 3, but the Lord is faithful because, remember, he warned them about the terrible world leader that's coming. They might have got fearful, but he said, I just want to remind you, the Lord is faithful. He will, future tense, establish you. He will guard you from the evil one. Remember, God's in this. Let's put confidence in him. And then it goes on to say, and that we may have confidence in the Lord concerning you. In other words, Paul lays all of this out, and he said, I don't even have all my confidence in you Thessalonians. I actually, my confidence is in the Lord that he's going to do this, and I'm going to say the same thing to you. May God stir your hearts. We got work to get done before Jesus comes back, and a lot of it deals with prayer. We're not all evangelists. You see the teamwork that's coming together here, and I know, I think everybody should be an evangelist, but Maybe not everybody's gifted that way, but we need to be sharing. All of us need to be sharing the word. But boy, we could rally together as prayer partners so that the word of God goes out. That makes team effort as you go out that the word of God would be powerful. We need that in Iowa, and Iowa needs to impact the rest of the world until Jesus comes. That's what Paul's praying for. Iowa's been blessed by God. And so let's turn our focus on eternal things. He finishes it by saying, may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God, into the patience of Christ. Some of these Thessalonians weren't living the way they should, and Pat's going to cover the rest of that, but be patient. Let the patience of Christ fill your heart. Maybe you disagree with numbers of different people on this or that. Be patient. Be loving. And let's get the gospel out and do something eternal with our lives. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for the Apostle Paul. And um, it would have been nice just to hear the Apostle, the Apostle Paul give this stirring address to Sailorville Church. He would have said other things, I'm sure, in a much more powerful way from his experiences, but I pray we get the point. Prayer is essential, otherwise evangelism is dead. So, Father, stir our hearts to pray. Use us for your honor and glory.
until you come back. In Jesus' name, amen.